And the rest of us can turn to Acts chapter 4. That's our main text this morning. I do have a question for you. How many have been following what's been happening with the aftermath of the typhoon in the Philippines? Any of you been watching that story? Been aware? And even within our own body, we've had some questions this past week. Uh, Some individuals who have family there that uh, connected up with people in our church that have said, you know, can your church help out with clothes and different things like that. And so, you know, we're going we're gonna to examine how we can get involved a little bit if possible. But something that I saw in the news this week was disheartening. And we know that whenever we have one of these catastrophes, it becomes a little bit difficult to figure out who to give to without getting ripped off, Right. And so, you know, now it seems like every time we have one of these catastrophes, there's the initial story, and then you have how you can get involved to help out, and then you have the follow-up story about the abuses of those that took advantage of the situation. Another wonderful and glorious testimony to mankind. Um, Oh, I refuse to lose hope. Because of Jesus, I refuse to lose hope. So this, this past week, I saw a local news story about olive oil that was given by a, a local company somewhere around $30,000 worth of olive oil. Any of you see this story? $30,000 worth of olive oil. I don't even know for sure that this was in relation to the, uh, the Philippines uh, typhoon. Uh, I think it was just connected as one of the stories of abuses. But a local um, business had donated that to a food bank. And then one of the one of the, uh, you know, these guys that are like, you know, I'm going to dig and get the best story possible. I'm undercover. I'm a reporter that's going to make a difference kind of story, right? And this person went to one of the local, like, food markets um, or farmer's markets and found bottle after bottle after bottle of that being sold. Um, now, I don't know the particulars of that, but when those people were interviewed by the cutting-edge reporter, they refuse to answer any questions. And, and so I think one of the results of that is that we get disheartened about where does this money go? Have you ever felt that way? You know, if I'm going to give, where's the accountability to it? And now you have the, the, the statements, the proclamations by charitable organizations that, you know, you know, X amount of percentage always goes straight to the person that's in need. And, and only X percent goes to uh, you know, administrative costs or those kinds of things. Because they know about the abuses that are going on. Today we're kind of in our second part of our giving series. And, you know, you may wonder, well, why do we do a giving series every November? Because when you swear the oath of being a pastor, you have to swear the oath to do a giving series in November. I don't know why, but it's just that way. Churches all... I, I even have on, on one of the, uh, you know... Um, uh, church websites that I I get my news off of. Uh, They just run article after article about giving in November and how to help pastors with information and stuff. Uh, The reason is, is because of Thanksgiving. The reason that we touch on this at this time of year is because we're getting ready to dive headlong, feet first, into the giant holiday of materialism. And so on one level, we want to help our people understand, be thankful for what you have. On another level, we want to say, warning, warning, do not participate in the debacle that is materialistic 
what I don't even have a name for it. It used to be called Christmas. It used to be called Jesus' birth. Um, so that's why we do this at this time. But it's also a very important endeavor. Because this is part of our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is how we one appear exalt. Is it's our relationship with Christ, and how does money factor into that? Or does it? Or does it? Now the statistics, and I'll be reading some of those to you in a little bit, do not bode well for what happens through God's people. For the next generation, if you're under the age of, let's say, 30 years old in here this morning, you are called a millennial. A lot of information is being written about you. Whether you know it or not, you are the number one group for marketing people and for those who want to make money. And so you get a lot of attention as to how you think and as to how you respond. And they desire to manipulate you. We haven't figured out who they is yet. If we figured out who they is, then they wouldn't be they, would they? But they do desire to manipulate you because they want your what? They want your money. So it makes us guarded, doesn't it? What, what do we do with what we really don't have? And so last week we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the issues of, of what, what giving is and what giving isn't. And, and we used a very sarcastic title about points and rewards and credit and all that. Kind of tongue-in-cheek about how society wants your money. They actually even want the money you don't have. They want the money that you'll have 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And they'll do everything to get it from you. So what do we do about that? Again, if you're under the age of 30, I really encourage you, pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. Because the trends do not bode well. Let's look at Acts 4.32. A simpler time, if you will. And Dave, I'm going to... I don't have the clicker up here, I don't think. I don't. So let's just... I go like this, that's your signal to pop the next slide. So let's pop the next slide here. By the way, as we move through today, we, gotta, we, we need to make up an imaginary person. And we're going to call him Francois. Here's why. Because I don't believe we have any French people in the room, so I can't offend any of you. Nobody will think this message is personally about you. If you're French, my apologies, my mistake. I didn't know you'd be here this morning. All right? Um, Catherine looks a little French this morning. Are you French at all? Okay, good. All right, we're in the clear. Uh, So this is all about Francois and Francois's issues with money and giving. We're going to help out poor Francois this morning. That's the best Frenchman's picture I could come up with. All right. So let's look. Let's take Francois back to the first example of what the church looked like. If we're going to talk about giving within the church, what did this look like? There's a very powerful passage in Acts 4. 32 through 35. Look in your scriptures, if you will. If you don't have a Bible, you can look on the screen. And it says this. Let me paint the picture real quickly. Christ has ascended. The Holy Spirit has come. The church now begins its genesis. It begins to evolve. It's germinating. And what's happening is something new. Something fascinating. Something exciting. And not only is it new and exciting, and they don't really know exactly what this is supposed to look like, it's being led by the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. It's being led by the Holy Spirit. I'll say it one more time. It's being led by the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? They have moved away from this series of 
do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you might be okay. That was called the law. And that's how it was initially set up. When Jesus came, when He died on the cross, when He rose from the grave, He started everything over again. And it's called a better covenant. And now, He gives us not only the things that were good out of the law to help us understand what's wrong and to avoid that, but He gives us freedom through the Spirit. So it's no longer an issue of obligation, but now all of our interactions with Christ are one of relationship. When you give, and you're getting ready, how many of you have made your Christmas list already? How many people on that list do you moan over? How many people do poor Francois moan over? Oh, I can't give to this person and not give to that person. They're going to get offended. My uncle Jacques is really going to get torqued at me. Sorry, I only had two years of French. And it was a long, long time ago. He's going to get a little mad at me, a little upset at me if I don't give to him too. Do you understand that? Have you ever felt that? I've felt it. I'll give you permission to feel it, okay? And you can nod if you want. It's okay. I have felt it. That's the best visceral picture I can give you of obligation versus freedom of relationship. One, you want to give because you want to. Because you have relationship. It comes from where? It comes from the heart. The other one is involved with obligation and guilt and requirement so that you don't offend. That's the difference, my friends. That's what we were talking about last week. Let's see how it worked out in the first church. Acts 4, 32-35. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with the great power, the apostles were giving their testimony. I'm sorry. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Fascinating. Well, let's take poor Francois and run him through what we're seeing here. So, boom, I rotate it. I've got four questions for you. When we look at the early church, Francois, what is the heart of giving? What is the heart of giving? Let's look at it. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart. It wasn't an attitude of selfishness of, oh, you know, I kind of need to hold back over here because I've got plans for this. Oh, my kids are going to need to go to rabbinic school when they're, you know, in their late teens. So I, I, need, to, I need to hold on to that. Um, you know, Uncle Lachaim is getting a little... And so we're going to have to put them in the home and that's going to require, you know, some something, something. They're of one mind. And I apologize if you have an Uncle Lahain. <laughs> Francois, they were of one heart, one mind. What was that? Christ. 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 
When you have your mind on Christ, guess who can't be in there? You. 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 Me. 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 The you and the me and the I will always struggle to get back in there. But if we focus on Christ, it brings us together. We focus on me, we're all over the place. We're all doing our own thing, Francois. So number one, they had one heart. Secondly, what kind of giving was demonstrated? It was sacrificial giving. They gave of their lands. They gave of their houses. They did not withhold. Third question, who gave and to whom did they give? Well, the body. The body of believers there. We don't know exactly if everybody gave. We know that those that gave that we have in this story had resources. We're going to see some very interesting things out of the Old Testament about tithing in a moment related to that. But those who had resources gave. It even met, uh, If you move down through the passage, past verse... Where did we stop off? Uh, 30, 35... If you move down a little bit more, you hear about Barnabas, who also sold some land and gave to the apostles to distribute the money as he saw needed. So who gave, Francois? And to whom did they give? The body gave. And they brought it to the apostles. They brought it to the leaders. They brought it to those that God had instructed to lead the people. And they entrusted those leaders with the stewardship of those resources. So Francois, my friend, me, amor, amigo, I'm telling you, it's bad. They gave of their resources and they gave to the local church. What happened as a result of that giving? Verse 34 is the key, my friend Francois. Me, amor. It says this, then was not or there was not a needy person among them that was the result there was not a needy this is in the landscape and the dialogue and the narrative of our country right now we have hit the tipping scales where over half of the country is now on some form of welfare i don't know if you're aware of that are you aware of the status of your neighbors and what their needs are. Are you aware of the status of those in this church? And my friends, if you're in this church and you have needs, please come to the leadership. Let us know. We will keep it confidential. That's not a problem. But this is one of the reasons we exist is to help and to support. And we'll talk more about that as we look at some statistics. So the next part is, as we looked at what the early church did, what do we do then for our friend Francois? Well, Francois, you need to follow your heart. And that fits into where we were last week. Boom. Let's go. Let's follow your heart, Francois. And what does that mean? Well, we got to look at Scripture to know. But I'm going to give you some points here. Number one, we go back to what we learned last week, which is what it isn't about, which is you know, this idea of obligation. And it moves more into this idea of free will giving from the heart. As determined from the heart, which we see in this 2 Corinthians passage. Now Christ doesn't speak specifically about the tithe. The only time He does is um, pre-cross, pre-grace dispensation. And the idea is simply this, is that He is chastising the Pharisees for what they're doing incorrectly. They're making it about pride. So Christ 
doesn't necessarily affirm, nor does he abolish the tithe. He's silent on it. But what we see is that Christ pushes the law, pushes the requirement off of mankind, and he issues in free will grace, and he says, this is how you're to operate in every aspect of life. And then Paul follows up with this great passage in 2 Corinthians 6-9, which is the prolific passage that we look at as far as what is expected. What is expected? And let's, let's look at it carefully this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6-9. through 9. says this, The point is this. Now, let me give some background. Paul is telling the church at Corinth that he's going to send an an emissary. He's going to send a team of guys. And they're going to collect a free will offering by the church in Corinth for the church in Jerusalem. There was a famine at the time. The church in Jerusalem is suffering. And it's being made known to the other churches in the surrounding areas. All right, I'm in big surrounding areas. Corinth is like in Greece compared to where Israel is. But the church was knowledgeable of the suffering of the church in Jerusalem. And so they let the church in Jerusalem know that we're going to take an offering. We're going to send a gift. And so these are Paul's instructions that he's sending guys to go there and prepare yourselves to give this gift to those emissaries. And so he gives detailed understanding about following your heart and not an obligation. So Francois, pay attention. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his what? In his heart. Not reluctantly. I spent all day on a soccer field yesterday. Praise Jesus, soccer is over. I took my ball bag from the past five years and I passed it to my assistant coach. We had a little ceremony. They hit me in the head with a soccer ball. It's over with. Done. And we had a great, great time. But there were some times, because we took two weeks off from winning our, our last tournament. We're in the area cup and, and regionals. And, and boy, you could tell. The girls were like, they were out of it. They just were, And so one of my most aggressive players, it was star forward, Every time that she went to challenge for a ball and she thought the other player was going to get there first, she would hesitate. She was reluctant. And I was not reluctant to give her instruction. Folks, Paul is saying under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, do not give reluctantly. Now the other part of this is, is my heart right? Is my heart right in relation to God, the Holy Spirit, His Scripture, His obedience to me? But even if it's not right and you're still reluctant, what is the priority? To get the heart right. Get the heart right before you ever feel any compulsion to give. And what did I just say that was wrong? Francois? I said compulsion to give. That's forced. That's forced. He says, don't be under any compulsion to give. Give from the heart. Give from the heart. He says, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a what? A cheerful giver. 
How many of you have gigantic smiles when that offering plate goes by? We should. How many of you liked that, that video by the skit guys uh, last week for giving, right? That last guy, the pageant giver, you know? Oh, I'm letting everybody know. I'll, I'll stop right there. Okay. It says, God loves the cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Francois, what I would say to you is this. You have to give from your heart. Don't ever give from compulsion, guilt, reluctancy, anything. But understand this about who God is. That God will give you everything that you need. He's the God over everything. Did you hear how many times Paul says all, 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 all? So if my hesitation, my reluctancy is that, well, I may not be able to get that upgrade on that phone in a month and a half. Good. It was an iPhone anyway. All right, moving on. I know, I know. What did, how did I start this thing? I said that we're imperfect. That includes me and the iPhone. Okay. Follow your heart. Giving is to reflect our current relationship with Jesus. Another passage that fits with this to understand how the freedom of relationship works and how that's reflected in our giving is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace that you are saved. Through what? Through faith. Not as a work that you can do in and of yourself, but it is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. God is giving freely. And so if we want to reflect that, if we want to emulate that in giving, since giving should be part of that reflection of our relationship with Christ, then we give freely. We give freely. Understand, Francois, that God can give everything that you need. That God already gave to you freely without requirement, without exacting anything from you, without requiring anything from you. He was not reluctant to give. He gave freely. And so that is our what? This is our model for the heart. As we go to give back to Him, let's give as He gave to us. My friend Francois. So Francois asked me, as I was instructing him on all of this, well, what about the tithe? Because you know, I went to some of these churches in France and they keep talking about the T-Day. No? I'm going to keep doing it. I'm just going to keep doing it over and over until you are ready to... No, I won't. I'll go to German. Okay. He asked about the tithe. What do you do about the tithe? And I said, Francois, that is a great question. Well, let's look at it. The word tithe means 10%. It's, it's not Hebrew. It's not Greek. It, it, it's from an old English word that means 10%. We have made up this word. But it comes from the Old Testament. It comes from the book of Leviticus. It comes from the instruction to God's people. And as you look in the, in the passages that give instruction about the law, this was a requirement of the nation of Israel. It was there for multiple reasons. Number one, to support the priests that operated in the tabernacle. Number two, it was there to support a community meal. 
that served the entire community. Number three, it was there to provide resources for the poor. That is why the tithe was put in place. Now, here's some interesting things about the tithe. The Old Testament tithe actually was three different tithes that added up to roughly 23.3%. So it's interesting that we look at 10% as the Old Testament tithe, when in fact, those that were tithing, where the requirements were, were on different livestock, different um, uh, uh, um, harvest, herbs, uh, wheat, whatever it would be, uh, staples that they were harvesting from the land. And so they were to give 10% of each of those areas, which actually kind of ended up at the end of the year being about 23.3% of their gross, of what they had, of their resources. They tithe from harvest and from livestock. Now here's an interesting thing that I just learned. Only those who had property were required to tithe. If the tithe was focused around harvest and was focused around livestock, if you were an individual that that didn't have any of that, you had no obligation to tithe and you were still righteous before God. Why? Because you couldn't. You couldn't tithe. And so here's an interesting thing, is that I've always been taught that that was a requirement of the entire nation of Israel. No, when God came to the nation, He said, those who have... Give what you have. Now, those who have resources that will provide for the priest, will provide for the community, and will provide for the poor, this is how you're going to do it. There were other areas, and you can find it in Leviticus 1-7, through about how individuals could give as well that didn't have property. But the tithe itself, that exaction, that requirement, was only for property owners or livestock owners. Because God in His fairness understands that if I don't have it, I can't what? I can't give it. I can't give it. How does that affect my friend Francois today? Now, if he's living off of his sustenance and he doesn't have anything to give, then does God require that of him? Absolutely not. But if he doesn't have anything to give because he spent it all on himself or spent it foolishly, That doesn't mean he didn't have anything to give, does it? All right, God gave him, God blessed him. And so here's what happens is that you go back to the 2 Corinthians passage. It says that God gives all things for all people for all of his purposes. So he will bless those individuals that have so that we can help those who have not. That's how God has made it. And that's how it still exists, my friends. We can learn from that. The only thing that has changed is that it is not a requirement. It has now flowed into an expression for Francois's heart as a reflection of his thankfulness to what God has given him. Have you ever given to someone in your family or or a close friend and you continually take them, let's say you just take them out for a meal. Maybe it's every Friday night, I don't know. And they never offer to pick up the tab. And you just keep rejoicing in that, don't you? I just, that's so wonderful. They let me pay every time. That's fabulous. I'm, I'm going to book this for the next year, two years. Let's make sure, let's double up. Let's do Mondays and Fridays. It's probably not what we're thinking, is it? 
we're thinking, hey, have you caught on yet that I'm giving out of my heart to you? And that a way that I could feel loved by you is maybe once a month or once a year, you might give something back. I'll get the tip. Follow your heart, Francois. When it comes to the tithe, tithing was introduced as a requirement for God's economy with Israel. It was the mechanism for supporting the worship and the community's needs. On top of that, there were other times where people could give sacrificially. It was for the building of the temple or the building of the tabernacle. Remember, God provided, told them, gather gold, ask for gold when they were coming out of Egypt. And when they came out of Egypt, when they went to make the Ark of the Covenant, when they went to make the tabernacle, Moses called them, or maybe it was Aaron, one of the two called them to bring those resources sacrificially so that they might melt those things down, melt those uh, pieces of gold down, and that they might make the Ark of the Covenant and those things that went into the tabernacle. And so that was above and beyond the tithe. It was some of the initial building projects, right? And so they saw that as necessary, and God instituted that. But the issue is not that we are compulsed or we are exacted or we are required to give. So my next instruction to my friend Francois is financial freedom. Francois, you need financial freedom. And we've got Matthew 6, 19-21 up there. And, and, and let's look at that. This is, these are the words of Christ. And He says to us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, when, when our friend Francois is following the money, when you're following the money, don't you want to know that there's a long-term result? And the more that there's a long-term result to what you have given the more praise there is, the more satisfaction there is in giving, to know that you truly helped somebody, to know that as you give to someone in the Philippines right now, if you were to get a letter back with a picture of the resources that they had as they're sitting down to a meal, to know. I shared a story last week that as AYSO had their volunteer banquet and they willingly gave a gift to our church for letting them as we willingly let them use this facility without any exaction whatsoever. It blessed all of you to know that they willingly reciprocated out of love in their hearts to say, we appreciate you. And so we want to give back to you. And as they handed me that check, I was able to put a slide up onto the screen showing a house we built in Mexico last year as a result of their gift. And I was able to share with you that it brought some of them to tears. To know that this money, they knew where the money went, that it did something special. It went and did something unique. Financial freedom. You need to be free to give. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What do you value the most? What is the result of giving to the local church? Well, here's some results of freedom giving. It's interesting, out of an article... Um, from uh, Relevant Magazine. It's called Religious Faith and Charitable Giving. It says this, Charity differences between religious and secular people persist if we look at the actual amounts of donations and volunteering. 
Indeed, measures of the dollars given and occasions volunteered per year produced a yawning gap between the groups. So just understand what we're talking about, that the article and the, these paragraphs are speaking about those that are religiously affiliated, the churches or parachurch organizations, versus just secular giving, okay? And he's saying, if you look at the actual numbers, there's a gigantic gap. It says the average annual giving among religious is $2,210 per person, whereas it is 642 among secular people. Similarly, religious people volunteer at an average of 12 times per year, while secular people volunteer at an average of 5.8. To put this into perspective, religious people are 33% of the population, but make 52% of donations and 45% of times volunteered. Secular people are 26% of the population, but contribute 13% of the dollars and 17% of the times volunteered. What would happen if we just went back to the Old Testament and we tithed, and we'll, we'll just throw out 10%, because we've, we've uh, misused that word, but that has become the culture? Let's just go with that 10%. What would happen? $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. Done. Done. The Catholic Church this past year gave $162 billion to charity. $162 billion. The Mormon Church in 2010, $70 billion. And yet, the world wants to make you feel bad and don't trust the church. Don't trust the local church when you go to give. And yet, if the church stopped giving, what would happen to the world? When we talk about freedom, financial freedom, we have to examine and look at the realities of what that does on a results-based assessment. The giving through the church results in freedom for the world around us and for the church itself. Continuing on, $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places in the world where 1 billion people live on less than $1 a day. $1 billion could fully fund all overseas missions work. 100 to $110 billion would still be left over for additional ministry expansion from Relevant Magazine. That's if we just did 10%. That's just 10%. You talk about financial freedom for the world around us. We could turn on the radio or we could turn on the TV and we could hear things that are actually really fun to hear rather than people fighting and arguing over who should pick up the bill. So Christ presents a picture of financial freedom, not one of slavery or obligation when it comes to giving. Follow the money, Francois. Don't go off speculation. Don't go off of guilt. Don't go off of compulsion. But follow the money and give freely from your heart as Christ gave. There's a passage in Scripture 
in Hebrews 12 that paints this beautiful shot of, of how I, I have kind of tried to adapt my giving. And it's this, this idea that fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the scorning of the cross. He went and he sacrificed. He gave of himself in a difficult way so that you and I might have freedom. So that you and I might have eternal life. He gave of Himself. And so for me to reflect that, it didn't say that it was this huge uh, compulsion for Him. It said the joy set before Him. Folks, when it comes to giving, that doesn't mean that it's just going to easily flow right out of our hands. So what do we do with that? Well, Francois, you need to apply yourself. And that brings me to these four points. Are you ready? Here we go. Francois, this is how you can experience that financial freedom. This is how you can follow the money. Number one, ponder what you give. Sit there, Francois, and, and estimate what you give. What do you actually do in a year? What can you do? What is it that the Bible says that you should do? What is it that you would have joy in doing? What is it that God would have you do? Well, maybe I don't know, Pastor Jeremy. Maybe I don't understand what... So here's the next part that I want you to do, Francois. Pray about what to give. Pray about what to give. Since we're saying that it's not this didactic thing that's on a spreadsheet that you should give this amount every year, every month. There are churches, by the way, that do call their members and say, you missed this month. Don't worry. Give us your phone number. You're not going to get that call. You may get the call that says, do you need anything this month? Pray about what you should give. That makes it dynamic, doesn't it? That makes it heartfelt. That makes it relational. Let the Holy Spirit, let God dictate what you should do. And if you get to a point where you say, and you heard the story last, last week, where a couple went and prayed after a missions conference about what to give to missions, and, and the Holy Spirit told them, give a million dollars. And I let you know that this couple would be like Janine and I saying, oh, okay, we're going to give a million dollars to, to uh, missions. This And the whole missions committee says, yes. We're going to give a million dollars to missions. It's like, no, we're not. That ain't going to happen. But we prayed about it. And and the Holy Spirit said, Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who can do far more abundantly than you could ever think or dream of. Folks, you've got to blow your paradigm out. And I'm not preaching wealth, health, and prosperity here. He can do whatever he wants. And so if He wants to use you in a particular way, how are you going to know if you're not praying, Francois? Francois, start praying. Start praying. Somebody in the room just got blessed with a house two nights ago. And you should find out their story because God's involved in it. God was involved in every part of the decision process. And they went to prayer and they went to prayer and they went to prayer. Maybe you'll hear more about that story later. That's called a teaser. Next, Francois, what should you do? You need to plan what to give. You need to plan. There's scripture that talks about what, you know, 
Who, who is going to build this unless they have figured out what they can actually do? You need to plan it. You need to look at what God has given you and you need to say, I need to give to you first. It's called first fruits giving. Rather than, hmm, you'll get the leftovers, God. I can't really have relationship with someone who I'm giving leftovers to. Does that make sense? I'm not going to have a deep relationship with who, whoever I get, give the leftovers to. So the depth of your relationship, you need to sit down, you need to plan it, just like you're planning right now your Christmas list, Francois. You're doing your little Christmas list and you're making plans. Who's going to get what and how much can I afford for each person now and who gets a little bit more and who gets a little bit less? How am I going to do all this? Well, you've prayed about it. And now, my friend, you're planning what you should give. Lastly, praise from what you give. Follow the money. What is it that's happening through the local church? By the way, how, you know, how do I give? Folks, I see a model here in Acts 4 of giving to the local church. One of the reasons that the church exists is so that we can come together as a body of believers. We have leadership structure. We invest all around the world with your money, right? We're serving uh, a couple hospitals in Africa right now. Last week, here's my mea culpa. And that's not French. I told you that I thought it would be a step of faith for us through this Operation Shoebox Christmas Child Endeavor Samaritan's Purse. There's a lot of words in there. But you know what I'm talking about. It was our Christmas project this year. Mary and David Ferris left us, led us in this. Left. They left us. They led us in this. And I, I put out what number that I was hoping to see us do? Fifty! Last I counted, 101 boxes. 101 boxes. Now those boxes are going to go to children. What are the results? What are the results? How do we follow the money? I wish that you had the opportunity, and we'll show at Thanksgiving dinner, we'll show an excerpt of a video of a child receiving one of those boxes. So you can kind of extrapolate in your mind what it's going to look like for your child to receive the box from you. Follow the money. We invest around the world. We invest locally. We help those that are in need. The stark reality is that you support me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's not stop. Let's just keep it going. Okay. But one of the reasons we do that, and I did some research, there are, there are religions that they don't support their leaders trying not to give this away, who this is. They're leaders. Thank you, Alan. Um, and so I researched why they... And, and so their responses are, because we consider it a privilege to serve. So do I. So do you. And there's no requirement, but Scripture talks about... Remember, the Old Testament was there to help support those who were in full-time service. There are those who, uh, uh, in Scripture it says in the New Testament, do not muzzle the ox, give double honor to those who serve in full-time service. And so, one of the reasons you pay a pastor is so that you have a preacher, you have someone who can organize and, and lead a church, who can wear the hat of a counselor, who can wear the hat of knowing what to do with a children's ministries or a youth ministries or, you know, all those different aspects rather than not having that leadership. 
So thank you. But giving to the local church is one of the best ways for you to organize your giving. Now, do you have to do that? No. You can give to special things outside. You can give to parachurch organizations. Many of you probably have uh, a child that you've adopted through World Vision, and you give that way. You may know some personal missionaries. There may be some neighbors next to you that you're helping. And that's part of what God has led you to do. And that is all good. Follow the money. And if this local church stops doing God's work, we stop focusing. We're preparing budget right now. So we're in a season of praying about, God, what do you want to do with the money that you're going to bring through your body here at Conquer Bible this next year? Pray for the budget committee. Pray for the ministry team leaders who will be gathering tonight for a training session. That we do what God wants to be done through this local body. And again, the last thing I want to share with you is if you're in need, just like we read out of Acts 4, if you are in need, then we have failed. We have failed. Now, I don't want my 20-somethings coming up and saying, well, I'm in need of a new PS4. Can't help you. Can't help you there. Maybe Dylan can, but I can't. All right? That's not a need. But if you're in need, you need to come to us because that's the elders just spent probably two hours praying and talking about it this past Thursday night. How can we be better at, at appropriating what God's given for this church to use through His people so that there isn't anyone in need? That's what we want to do. Hopefully Francois feels a little bit more freedom this morning. When it comes in, in wisdom and understanding, when it comes to giving, and how to have a thankful heart and cultivate a thankful heart for that, I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer and pray over our offering this morning as it's taken. Um, as we do so, I have a few announcements that I'm going to be bringing in just a moment. Um, so keep your information tabs close to your heart, and uh, we'll cover those in in just a moment. So. Let me go ahead and pray for the offering again this morning. We don't want to hide away or shirk away from anything, especially something so specific and, and important as money. We understand that there isn't a lot left over. We get that. My encouragement to you is this, and, and, and this is off the notes, all right? This is off the page. Make your faith come alive by practicing those four things we gave at the end. I have not found a disappointed or regretful person yet. And even in my own experience, when it comes to practicing those four things in respect to giving back to my Lord and Savior. That's the concluding statement on this series. We want you to be joyful in what you're doing and what you're giving. Because that's what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Let me pray. Lord, You have granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. But we have to trust in that. We have to know that based off of Your faithfulness, You will provide. And even when it doesn't make sense, if You call us to something and it doesn't make sense, it just it doesn't fit. That isn't there. It doesn't exist. 
Help us to know clearly if we've heard from you. And if we have clearly heard, then help us to understand with an expectant heart and a joyful heart like we're waiting for December 25th to hit and we can run down the stairs. You will provide some way, some capability to work through us so that we might provide for others. What joy that is. Thank you for the faithfulness of the body here at Concord Bible Church. Bless them in their efforts and their endeavors to act in worship to give to you. And we pray that as we follow the money, we see the results of what is given. Lord, I simply think of those that have given to Lifetime and the results of that. Changed lives for a lifetime. I can think of no greater result. Thank you, Lord for what you do and how you have taken this from obligation into a relationship endeavor and connection with you. May we honor you with our joyful giving. To your glory, Father. Amen.